Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. We like to feature women who have stories that are meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share these stories with you so that in their shining, they give you permission to shine as well. Tune in to Freeman Means Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public for now. Our great episode today is starring Mary Knightlick. Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Awesome, awesome. So I don't know Mary well, but I certainly know of Mary. She's very well known in the legal marketing industry and her name and face are very recognizable across the industry. And she's well known for other things that we'll learn more about today as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Mary. Well, sure. Uh, I've been a law firm business development consultant for over 25 years. I hate to say that, but I think I'm one of the oldest, <laughs> maybe not in age, but in, in experience. Well, uh, it, you started at 10, so. You look- yes, I started at 10. Oh, were you at my LMA Hall of Fame induction when I said <laughs> I started at 10? Yeah. Um, it was just things were so different back then. So it's been quite a ride going from when having a brochure was considered pretty scandalous and uh, email coming out and uh, then websites, branding, all kinds of things, social media, and it's just constant evolution and understanding and now evolving to let's take a look at the client. What are their needs and how can we be more collaborative? Exactly. Exactly. So I remember those days. Um, I started out in financial services doing the same thing that I did in legal for 18 years um, before I started in legal. Um, and it was static brochureware on a website and no interactive, no getting to knowing, knowing your client, no uh, relationship building, none of that, none of that. So yeah, we've come a long way, baby. Um, what exactly, <laughs> tell me a little more about your education. Well, I have a... Uh, undergraduate degree from the Ohio State University, and it is the Ohio State. <laughs> they capitalize <laughs> the the. And I have a master's degree in communication from the University of Bridgeport. Nice, nice. Well, you and I share that in common. Um, although I'm an LSU Tiger. Uh, my uh-huh. under- Yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry about that. But um, tell me a little bit about how you get involved in your community, legal and otherwise. Well, with regard, I've always been involved with some community service. With uh, I've worked with groups of homeless, helping to, them to write bios and how to interview and always get involved in Share Ourselves, where we donate women's clothing to help people who sort of need a leg up. And we all have a lot of stuff that we don't wear anymore. So um, wow. I'm usually involved in that, too. Uh, from a legal marketing perspective, uh, locally, I chair a managing partner group, so about once a month we meet with managing partners of law firms in Orange County, California. Some of them are very large firms, and they're just the local regional office, and some of them are standalone firms, regional firms, and we talk about different management issues, kind of a peer-to-peer group, and occasionally we'll have speakers and then process that with how that applies to managing partners. I love it. I love it. In addition to LMA, of course, and everything involved with legal marketing and all the organizations. Yeah. So, yeah. First of all, I, I'm going to interrupt you on throughout this podcast. I'll interject because I'm, I get excited and I want the audience to take note of things. 
so that it's more than just you know re, you know reviewing your history I, I want you to take note and have them pay attention to how amazing that is that you spend your spare time lifting others and helping those who are less fortunate to really sort of frame their narrative and tell their story so that they can better present themselves to the world and maybe, maybe self-support. So that's, that is just incredible. So I wanted to say that before you talked about your um, managing partner group, which is also incredible and unbelievable and amazing. And I did not know either of those things about you. This is what makes this podcast so much fun for me as I get to know you so much better. So let's go into a little more detail about what is a day in the life like at one of these uh, managing partner groups? Because I find that fascinating. I think that's a super powerful way to spend your time in your, in your industry and with what you do for a living. Well, typically the, the members of the group like to discuss amongst themselves in a confidential way. So we typically will have a speaker who will come in and stimulate the conversation and give information. So last month, for example, we had Angela Paparelli, who's a partner with Cypher Shaw, talking about the changes in blockchain and how is that going to impact law firms of all sizes. Uh, our next meeting, we have a speaker. Uh, I'm hoping, actually, it's going to be Mark Green, but we're still waiting to check on his schedule, but to speak on artificial intelligence. So the speaker comes in and shares information. This is kind of what's happening. Um, a lot of the law firms, regardless of the size of the town or city you live in, the partners really are so busy that they're not necessarily going to lots of national conferences and seeing everything. And this group gives the partners a real understanding of what's going on. So sometimes we'll all... Incredible. Amazing. That's a great, great, great idea. So Mark is the guy for AI. I, I can tell you he's the best. So did you yeah. start this group? No, this group is eight years old. We're in our eighth year. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah, but so. you started this group. This is a really, really great thing. It was fun. You know, it's a lot of fun and it gives the partners an opportunity to, to share. You know, we sometimes we're just talking grassroots things like how are we dealing with associate compensation, bonuses, uh, working remotely, just all kind of issues that come up about managing the firm. We've had technology speakers. We had the dean of UCI Law School come and speak to us about some of the changes going on in the practice of how they educate students. Every It's different all the time. So. Yeah, it's fun. So I have to tell you, not to play favorites, but you just put yourself up at the top of the list of the person with uh, some, <laughs> some real relevance. There are a lot, look, there are a lot of us out there who do what you and I do. I, I do something a little bit different than what you do, but still from the market perspective, people would say we're BD coaches. But what you just said right there gives you a little differentiator. I mean, you know, I you have your your finger on the pulse, if you will, or an insider, insider, inside scoop, if you will. That's pretty, pretty awesome. That's very impressive. So tell me a little bit about your proudest professional accomplishment. I know you have several, so. Uh, well, when I think back over the years, I think of myself as a business development consultant. So when I work with a firm, we first start with is their brand clear? Is it really have meaning? And is it applied to the website and social media and so forth? So once the base is done, the idea of working with me is to how do I bring business in the door? So one of the most successful initiatives I did in this effort was working with a small firm that was, uh, the partner was a spinoff from a very large firm. 
and he did franchise and vertical distribution work, working with Fortune 500 companies. But he wanted to get known more nationally. He was based in Southern California, but he wanted to go to another city so that had a lot of corporate headquarters. We selected Atlanta, but unfortunately it was August. It was 104 oh and 100% gosh, yeah. humidity. <laughs> but the, the purpose of the meeting was the Supreme Court had just passed a ruling on resale price maintenance, which basically means, you know, can, a, can McDonald's say to its franchisees, you can't sell that Happy Meal for less than this much money. Could be Calphalon pots and pans at Macy's, whatever. And so what we did was this partner uh, was going to speak on the interpretation of the law. And we got two general counsels from Atlanta to speak, one who was in a franchise company and one who was in, uh, actually it was the general counsel from Calphalon Pots and Pants. Wow. And we, we talked about that. But because I was able to secure these two general counsel, 15 other general counsels accepted our invitation to come to this breakfast roundtable. Wow. So we we then had a court reporter come and uh, make sure we got all the comments down. We had permission, written authorization to use it. We had photographs, and then we published an article about it in a publication called Today's General Counsel. So the, we got a lot of bumps and exposure because as we wrote the article and took people's quotes, we got to connect with the uh, general counsels. And then, of course, the partner now knew 17 general counsels in Atlanta and was free then to go back and meet with them to say, how do you find and choose outside counsel when you're dealing with you know, resale price maintenance or franchise issues? So it was a pretty successful initiative. Mary, that's amazing. So I'm jaw dropped. That's pretty, that's a you know, <laughs> very traction marketing right there. Because what I'm seeing is not only did that one guy get introductions to all these general counsel, but all the outside counsel who do work for each of those are going to perk up their ears and take note of you and what this article said and what you guys had uh, done in Atlanta. So Wowza, that's really great. Terrific. Um, unique story that should be told again and again and again. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. I have to say it was really challenging getting the general counsel to come, though. That was the hardest part because yeah. they're so busy. Yeah, they're very busy. They're very busy. Um, and I know they're getting out. I have a number of friends who are GCs, and they're always getting asked to, you know, what do GCs want? Come sit on a panel and tell the rest of the world. They're like, if you would just listen the first time, we wouldn't come <laughs> right. sit on all these panels. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep them busy and they keep us busy. So who in your life has inspired you most? Let's go there. Well, I think if I were looking at the concept of law firm marketing and how our industry has evolved, which again, you know, remembering that those of us who are around quite a while ago have seen just such changes. And uh, one of the people that I've always admired most is Bill Flannery, who's recently retired. Bill used to work for IBM, and then he started working with law firms, and he trained law firms in how to respond to proposals and conduct client feedback interviews in a way that nobody else was doing it. And he would go into the firms, and he would give this training, and then he would actually have them take part in an interactive session where they prepared uh, what the conversation would be like. He was revolutionary. He was doing this before anybody. And many, most of the AmLaw 100 firms and many AmLaw 200 firms had Bill come out. He was uh, always 
very, very generous with his time, with LMA, sharing information. And he wrote an article, which is still one of my very favorite articles, and I love to say the name of it. And it was called, It's the Client, Stupid. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mary? He was, he was inspirational to me. I want to tell you, I didn't want to interrupt you because, um, so I talk to Bill almost every week. I've known him for 20 years. He's been my mentor, my teacher. I learned everything in legal marketing from him. Um, I hired him many times. Uh, he's given me permission to use his information from his book. Um, he is one of my greatest friends and I adore him, respect him and deeply love him. And I, everything you said is true. And it's a shame he retired, but I mean, I get it. He should be able to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Um, I too am a huge fan, number one fan in the Bill Flannery. Dave Bruns of Pharrell and Braun is another fan of Bill Flannery's. Uh, Deborah Graybine at now Hunt and Andrews Kurth is a fan. Uh, a lot of us in the industry were molded, shaped, touched, and moved by Bill Flannery. And he will be delighted to hear this podcast uh, for your having said those wonderful words of praise. Yes, he's terrific. I was actually in Austin last week, and we were supposed to have breakfast, but something came up. He couldn't make it at the last minute because I haven't seen him for a while. So I was looking forward to that, but hopefully, hopefully it'll happen again. Well, he's no stranger to the phone. So, you know, pick up the phone and call him. He'd love that. He'd love that. So I, I ask you, you know that I focus a lot on lifting women in business. That's why you're on this Wonder Women in Business podcast. Uh, what do you think? Give, give some advice on how other women can support women in business. There's all too often the, the universe out there, the world tries to get us, you know, pit, pit us against one another. And I'm combating that every day, trying to get women to look, you know, it's hard enough to achieve equity in the workplace without adding drama to the mix. So how can you uh, advise others to lift women in business? Well, I have to say that I've always, well, not always, I would say over the past 15 years, there's been such a paradigm shift with women helping other women. People like to do business with people they know and they like to do business who are like and similar to them. And I have found women just spectacular supporters of one another. We've been going through such changes from certainly in law firms, the number of women associates and partners, which is still not at 50%, but moving in that direction. And I think some of the senior women who really paved the way have been very, very generous. Um, I think about one litigator that I know who is an AM law firm. She's a good friend of mine. She's actually based here in Orange County. And when she became a litigator, it was just amazing. And not many people did that. But she broke through. She was practicing back in the day when we all wore suits and pantyhose and high heels every day. And she wore the little, you know, tied bow tie. I mean, that's just the way it was. And she has just wrapped herself around opening herself up and mentoring other other women. And maybe not necessarily just women. So right. right. I, I just find women are more typically uh, uh, sensitive and aware. And oh, yeah. I, so, yeah. so I write a lot about that. So that's the little differentiator I bring to the table when I do BD coaching is I start with um, gender-based communications. And it's true that we as women have fought so hard to navigate our way and other minorities as well to navigate our way in the traditionally rich white man operating system, whether it's legal or other um, industries, you know, corporate 
any any industry. So we know that yeah. historically those industries were started by males and are, you know, the language used to create the operating system is by males. So I love when I hear stories of women like your friend in Orange County who are courageous enough to wrap their arms around this issue and both with men and women uh, fight for equity in the workplace. Would you be okay sharing her name and where she works or is that not okay? Um, I don't, I, I don't think so. Okay. I, don't, I didn't ask her, so I yeah. didn't, you know, wasn't prepared for this. But I will tell you that back in the late 90s when Deborah Tannen wrote her first book, You Just Don't Understand, uh, that became a Bible for me in a lot of my consulting and really? using that to, to help the men and the women understand. I think my favorite story was when she told this story of a woman uh, coming into a CFO. She was the HR vice president in this company. And she had to go to the president and say, you know, we had to fire Tom. We tried coaching him. He had these problems, but he just couldn't overcome them. And I'm just so sorry. And Deborah interviewed the CEO and asked him what he thought that meant. I'm so sorry. And he said, well, she was apologizing for failing. Right. <laughs> and the, and the <laughs> woman's response was, what did that mean to you? Is she said, oh, well, what that meant to me was I was so sorry we couldn't turn things around for Tom. He had two small children. He had been with the company for quite a while. And I, I'm so sorry that it didn't work out. So just right. that perspective. But this was back in the 90s. I mean, I certainly think things have changed, but I think it just shows how women come at things maybe from that angle. Deborah Tannen was just amazing to come out in the forum. You know bring that, that out to us. Speakers. She's my speaker for December 2019 for my Bubbles, Bites, and Bits of Wisdom event. Oh, she, how fantastic. Yeah. You're yeah. Gonna She's, there. I expect to see you there. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know how much things have changed in that regard, I have to say. Uh, women use still ritual apology in that case to, to reestablish balance, to sort of save face for the other person, you know, to, to say, I'm sorry this didn't work out for you, to show kindness. And you're right, men only apologize when they're to blame for something. And they, and that, you know, that's how they see the apology. That's how they see the words, I'm sorry, is strictly to take blame. So yeah, I love that you are a fan of two of my greatest heroes, my hero and <laughs> my, my, hero I know. We should, my shero. Yeah. We should speak, speak more often. <laughs> No. So, you know, um, I kind of make it a point not to get to know the guests before, because then I might steer the conversation um, to, you know, in a certain direction. Uh, whereas when I don't know them that well beforehand, it takes a natural flow and we have an authentic, casual, open conversation. Um, and I get to know the real you without any preconceived notions or whatnot. But I can guarantee you and the listeners that once this is done, I am going to set up a monthly call with you or get to know you better, come visit you or have you in my, uh, in my posse because you fascinate me and you inspire me and we speak a lot of the same language. So I'd love to get to know you better. Um, tell me what your biggest challenge Thank or setback you. has been and how did you overcome that? Well, I you know, I, I was thinking about that. And of course, we all overcome challenges. But three years ago, uh, I, I'm a competitive athlete. And three years ago, um, my naturopath was listening to my heart. And she said, there's just something wrong. This heart murmur you've always had is just, just not functional. I can't even hear your heartbeat. She sent me to the cardiologist. And it turned out I had a genetically defective aortic valve. And the amount of, of high-intensity cardio that I was doing for my sport, um, I basically could have died the day before I saw her. 
Wow. And um, I wound up having to have open heart surgery oh my in God. 2015 to replace this valve. And then when they got in there, they found out that I had a giant aneurysm on my aorta, which was oh. about to burst. <laughs> so oh, I would Mary, say, we're so lucky you're even here to have this conversation. So yeah, I mean, it was rarely, it was huge. <laughs> it I was never, huge. Oh my gosh! So you rarely hear people tell the story of their own aneurysm. You hear their family members tell the story. <laughs> right. I was just very lucky that I had this genetic issue. My father had the same valve issue and I didn't know I had it. And um, of course, I've, since then, everyone in my family has been tested because if it's genetic, you know, we want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, yeah. I'm and so overcoming and recovering here. from recovering from that was very challenging. It's, it's just debilitating having open heart surgery, but I was, you know, I was back out of my sport in three months on a you know, little bit and just kind of build back up from there. Well, that leads me to my next question, which was, uh, can you tell me something surprising about you? And I know that, folks, I know that uh, what her competitive sport is. I will let her share that with you, but I was blown away. She is amazing. So tell us a little bit. Tell us a surprising fact about you so that they know, too. Well, I guess it would be surprising to most, but I'm a nationally ranked competitive adult figure skater. And I've been back at this for 17 years. I have six national titles. Last year was my, in 2018, I, I won nationals again. And uh, I skated as a kid, but then I stopped. And then I went back when I was 49. And I've been at it for a long time now. Wow. <laughs> and I just love it. It's such a passion. Yeah. So I, I, I love, okay, so here's what I do with the podcast I take the podcast and I insert it into a blog that I write and it generally has someone's headshot. But in your case, I would really love to share some still shots of you on the ice. I mean, I think, first of all, I was drawn to you because of your professional experience and what you do for a living and, and how kind you are. I follow you on social media and you are everywhere and you're very supportive of others. And those are the people I like to have in my circle. And those are the people I like to shine the light on. And you're, you are just a good example of how lifting others lifts yourself. And then when I found out about your ice skating, I was like, she's just a dynamo. This is incredible. So I'm going to make the blog cast. I call it a blog cast because I sync a podcast into a blog. I'm going to make it a little different for yours and ask that you send me some um, still shots of you in action on the ice um, because you're more than just your headshot. You're definitely um, multifaceted. Well, thank you. That's really kind of you. I'd be happy to send you. Sure. I have lots of, I have lots of pictures from over the years. I'll send you a couple. We'll make a little brag book online. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's really kind. Look, I have to say, I am, I interview a lot of us in the, in the legal arena, a lot of people who do, you know, PR, marketing, business development, client service. Um, We know the differences in all those and the nuances and and such, but most of the listeners don't know that there are huge differences between marketing and BD. And um, I try to make that clear with every guest, you know, the unique thing that you bring to the table, but you clearly bring some unique skills and um, abilities to the table. I want people to know how to reach out to you if they want to hire you. So if they want to know more, how can they reach you? Do you have, do you have a place they can go? Sure. Well, uh, certainly my website would be a good place to start, which is E-M, uh, E as in 
uh, Extreme and M is in marketing. My company used to be Extreme Marketing, but I rebranded three years ago. So it's E-M Consults, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-S dot org. So emconsults.org. And certainly they can reach me via email at Mary, M-E-R-R-Y at emconsults.org. Awesome. And phone number 949-260-0936. 949-260-09, say it again, 949-260-0936. Perfect, perfect. And I'll put that in writing as well, all of your contact info on the, um, so I know not everybody is interested in connecting with everybody on LinkedIn. I personally do connect with anyone who wants to connect with me and learn more, or maybe I can help them out. Um, if you're that same person, can people reach out to you and find you on LinkedIn? If you're not, that's okay too. Oh, sure. Yes, I have. I I've spent quite a bit of time on LinkedIn and social media, and I would be delighted to connect with anybody on LinkedIn that's in our industry or interested in learning more about our industry or attorneys or marketing professionals. Sure. Great, great. So the last thing we'll say before we say goodbye is because when we speak. Um, and we say your name, Mary Knightlick. People might not know how to spell that to find you. So I'm going to spell it. It's M-E-R-R-Y-N-E-I-T-L-E-I-C-H. Is that correct? N-E-I-T-L-I-C-H. Yes. N-E-I-T-L-I-C-H, pronounced Knightlick. Wonderful. This has been great. You're, you're really phenomenal. So um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Well, you in. too. Look at what you've done in just a few months. You're like, a, you're like on fire. It's fabulous watching you grow your practice. Ah, that's super sweet. So eight, about 19 years and then sharing the secret in about since July. <laughs> so a lot, of, a lot of that heavy lifting behind the scenes and then cashing in my chips and calling in my favors and sharing the good news since July. So thank you for noticing. And, and thank you everybody for listening. Um, I'm glad you tune in to our podcast. It's fun. It's casual. We don't have, you know, a big studio or professional editing room or what have you, but we do have lots of fun and authentic conversation. You sure do. All right. We'll talk to everyone later. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>